You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Uh, What I would love to do today is I would love to talk about something that I believe is very important, but also even more than that, very powerful in our lives, and that's the power of pursuit. Uh, When we started this series, The House of Love, we went on Instagram and we just asked people, hey, when it comes to relationship, what is the pain point in your relationships? What is the hard thing about relationships? And interestingly enough, whether you are single, whether you are dating, whether you are married, all the responses we got back was about pursuit. It was like, man, I just am lacking when it comes to pursuit. Man, I just wish that someone would pursue me. I just wish that there was some sort of person in my life that would pursue me in some way. And because of this, people had such a void in their life, and rightfully so. Like, chances are, if there is a void in our life, if there is something in us that is causing us to feel empty in some way, the most beautiful thing about that is that God wants to feel fill that void. And so when it comes to pursuit, we are made to be pursued. Like when it comes to your life, you are made for pursuit. Even more than that, when it comes to our lives, sometimes we are made by what or who we pursue. And even more than that, we are made to pursue. And sometimes when we get pursuit out of whack or when it becomes weird in our lives, our lives become weird and they feel off. And even more than that, relationships can feel off. Like if there is just some reason that you find yourself in a relationship and you're like, man, I'm giving more than this other person. I just feel like I'm bringing everything to the table. And for whatever reason, I I just don't feel like they're giving anything back. I mean, that's pursuit. So even in the most pain point relationships that you have in your life, just think about it. And just like, oh man, I, I just, I wish that there was a little pursuit in my life when it comes to this person or this relationship. When I think about my relationships, I'm like, man, I, if, I, if there is pain in this relationship is because I deeply desire pursuit. Pursuit can be a very powerful force in our life, but here is the deal when it comes to pursuit. And this, you gotta hear me on this, this is a huge deal. When it comes to pursuit and when it comes to your lives, you cannot control the pursuit of another person. Like you cannot control how much that person pursues you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what kind of power of woo you have over them. I don't care how many wonderful and lovely things that you buy them. I don't care how you do all the things that you're going to do to get that person to like you and pursue you. The one thing I know is that we cannot change another's pursuit. But here's what we can do, is we can change the narrative of what we're telling ourselves when it comes to pursuit. Because what happens is, at least in my life, is there is a story that is developing in your head. There is a story that you are writing in your head, and it becomes a narrative that we tell ourselves 
each and every day when it comes to pursuit. And so we might not be able to change that person's pursuit of us, but the most beautiful thing about being in Christ is we can change the narrative in our head. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he has given us the ability, Romans 12, to renew our minds. And all that means is that, hey, we're going to tell a different story. Not only are we going to tell a different story, we are going to tell a true story when it comes to pursuit. So what I would love to do is because pursuit has a very powerful place in our life and gives us a powerful outlook on life, I want to give us three statements that we can tell ourselves when it comes to pursuit. And here's what I know, is that we need the good news when it comes to pursuit because everything in this world wants to leave us feeling like, number one, we're not pursued, and number two, that we are powerless when it comes to pursuit. Like the enemy, when it comes to your life, he wants to convince you without a doubt that you are powerless in this moment. You are powerless when it comes to pursuit. And there is not one thing that you can do to change the story of pursuit in your life. But the good news is that God wants to remind us that there is power when it comes to pursuit. And even more than that, that there is a powerful good news that he wants to renew our minds with when it comes to pursuit. So three statements so that we can write a new story in our hearts and in our mind when it comes to pursuit. One of the first things that we need to get in our hearts and get in our minds, this first statement, is that I am lovingly pursued by God. I am lovingly pursued by God. Here's the deal. When it comes to how I see myself, it is directly proportional to how I see God's pursuit in my life. So if there is something in me that just is off, that has, I feel like I'm off, I feel like I have a self-esteem problem, I feel like I'm really down on myself, I feel like I'm really struggling to see myself in the way that God sees me. I'm really wrestling with all these things. If there is anything like that is going on in your hearts and in your mind, chances are it's because there is a marred picture of God's pursuit when it comes to your life and when it comes to my life. How I see myself is directly proportional to how I see God's pursuit on my life. One of the most interesting things that is happening right now in the world is that there is this gospel of morality that's kind of taken the place of religion, and that's what's kind of being floated out there. 20 years ago, we were all fighting the lie that we had to earn our way to God. Like, if I can just be good enough, if I could dress the right way, if I could say the right things, if I could just like go to church enough, Man, if I could even serve in kids ministry, then God will love me because he like loves people who serve in kids more apparently, but that's like what we tell ourselves. It might be true. I don't even know. It might be true. If I just do X, then God will love me more. He will pursue me more, whatever. And so what happens and what is happening is I believe that there is this new thing that is popping up and it's morality. If you just live the right way and stand for the right things and vote for the right people and believe the right things, then you will be loved by God. But what we know is that the good news is not about 
what we do, but it's about what God has done in and through his son, Jesus. God is lovingly pursuing you each and every day. Each and every day, he is pursuing us. And in order for us to be healthy people, we cannot be healthy people unless we have a healthy view of how God's pursuing us. Jesus, he has this amazing way of telling like really, really, really good stories that get under the skin of religious people. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, Jesus comes for religion. And like you read him and you're like, man, you are pissing some people off. I'm sorry I said pissing in church, but this is what he did. He, he would make some people mad in the name of Jesus. And one of the most amazing things that Jesus would do is he would paint a picture of what the father's heart is really like. Like, hey, you have heard it said, you have lived under the impression that the Father's heart is religion. You have lived under the impression that if you do these 600 and plus things, then God will surely love you. You have heard it said that if you go to synagogue this many times a day and then serve in the kids ministry of the synagogue, I'm just kidding, I don't know if they have kids ministry, then you will feel loved in this way. Then you will know that God loves you. If you can do all the right things, then you can feel all the right ways about God. But Jesus is coming in. He's painting a new picture, and I love this story because he's telling it because he really, really wants to make some religious people mad. Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal, and in this this moment where Jesus is saying, hey, I need to show you the Father's heart. Like, you think you know the Father's heart? Just wait one second. I need to tell you what the Father is really like. And so picking up in verse 20, he says that the Son got up and went to his father. So this son, this youngest son, he was like living the dream. He was living. He had bought the like the line, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Like he was, he bought that line and then he woke up one day and he was like, that line is a lie. Like I I left Vegas and Vegas still stayed with me and I still smelled like Vegas. I've been to Vegas. It is an interesting place. That's all I'll say about that. So this guy, this kid, he's like, I'm coming home. I got to change my ways. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So how many of us think that, you know, these days where we go, maybe we like miss a few days in church and we're like, ah, I can't go back. But it's like pulling the bandaid off. I know if I just pull it off, it'll, it'll, it'll hurt for a second, but it'll be good because I went to church. And then I can tell my mom that, hey, mom, yeah, I went to church. I know you were checking up on me. I knew you were going to call today. So I'm coming to church or, or even like reading the Bible. Like, oh man, I haven't picked up the Bible in so long. I want to, but I know that God's going to be mad at me. Or I know that like we're telling ourselves this story. And I'm here to tell you that the father's eyes are full of compassion for his kids. Like, do you know that? Like when he saw the son who squandered the wealth really far off and coming home, he was like, hey, there he is. Compassion filled his heart and filled his eyes. And so Jesus is telling us, and he's like, hey, I need you to know that this is not one of those moments where the father's going to say, I told you so. This is one of those moments where the father's going to see his son and he's only going to see his son because he's been looking on the horizon for years now waiting for his kid to come home. He's like, oh, it's today. It's today the day he's going to come home. Sir, sir, what, you know, what do you want us to do with this? I don't, I don't know. I'm just looking because I think if I just keep my eyes over there, I think my kid's going to come home and I want to be ready. 
sir, what do you want us to do with this field? I, I, I can't think about that right now because I know that that's our driveway. And down that driveway, my kid is going to come home one day. So filled with compassion, he sees him. And then he runs to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. I mean, this was like so culturally inappropriate. Like, I, like if you've been in church, you've heard this story. You're like, got it, yep, ran, hiked up the tunic, did the dang thing, put on his like Nike sandals and he just bolted down the driveway and, you know, hugged his son, blah, 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 culturally inappropriate, yeah, I get it. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then one of the greatest words in the Bible, but the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the calf or the brisket from Lewis, kill it, let's have a feast and celebrate because I thought my son was dead and now I know that he is here, he is finally home and that is the Father's heart for each one of us. And so when we look at God, do we see God having that heart towards us? Do we see the God who pursues and he's looking over the horizon like, hey, I, I know my daughter. I, 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 know, I, I know one day she's going to wake up and she's going to know who she is and who's pursuing her. And when she does, she's coming home and we are going to take her to basic kitchen. That's, you, girls, you, you're playing it cool right now. Like, I don't like basic kitchen, but you love some basic kitchen. And we're going to get a lot of beet margaritas because the Father loves me and he's waiting for me to come home. That is his heart for his children. Again, if we cannot see the pursuit of the Father in our life, then we will not see our life of any value. I mean, that's, that's like, if we, if, we, if we cannot get this, we're gonna be like, oh, man, I just wish I just, why doesn't Chad see me? Why, sorry if your name's Chad. Why, why, why does he not look at me? Why does he not ask me out? Maybe if I just do this, be this way. Maybe he just thinks I'm too much of a Jesus freak and I just gotta leave that behind and pick it back up later. Or, I don't care what Chad says. Eh, I got the father. He sees me, he loves me. Chad wants to get on the bus, he can get on the bus. It's pulling out at 4 p.m. I don't know where Chad's going to be. I hope he's there. I'll punch his ticket, but I am going where the Father is because the Father has come to where I am. I love how Psalm 23 paints the picture of the Father's pursuit because it's one of those things where the Father is not just coming towards us, but he goes with us. He, lay, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside the quiet streams. Like there's all these things that God does in our lives to pursue those things. I've heard it said many, many times through many, many different leaders. God is in pursuit or God is doing things in our lives. He's doing like 10,000 things in our lives and sometimes we won't be aware of one of them. 
And so Psalm 23 is just this reminder that the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want because he's always providing me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's beside me. He leads me beside quiet waters. When I go through the valley, he is there with me. When I'm by the sea, he's there with me. When I'm having a good day, he's there with me. When I don't want to be with him, he's still there with me. And then at the end of it, it says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. So is is that how we see our lives? Is that how we see ourselves? Yeah, I'm pursued by God. Surely goodness and love follow me all the days of my life. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And I know that surely love and goodness follow me all the days of my life. So here's the question. Do you see the pursuit of God on your life? Like, do you see it? Do you know that without a doubt that he has lovingly pursued you? What has been interesting recently is I feel like there's this huge wave of people deconstructing the Christianity belief. Like, oh, we just got to deconstruct this thing. We got to tear it down. We got to... We got to just figure out what what even was built or anything like that. And I, I just really think God is looking down and he's saying like, hey, I didn't build a belief. I built a place where my beloved sons and daughters have a place to come to where they're in relationship with the God of the universe through the son of Jesus, who I spent thousands and thousands of years laying down this plan where one day I would rescue my people and I would call them out of darkness and I would bring them into marvelous light and then they would know that they are the most loved and cherished people in the world and because they know they're so loved, the light of Jesus would shine through them and all the world would see that those are the loved people of God because they know that they have a father who lovingly pursues them. And so if we cannot get this, if we cannot understand this, every single relationship you and I have will be unhealthy because it will be built on the impression that those people can meet those needs. It will be built on the foundation that I don't have everything I need, therefore that person is responsible for what I need. God is responsible for what you need. He has sent his son, Jesus. And if you can build every relationship on the fact that you are lovingly pursued by the God of the universe, every relationship will be healthy because you know why? Surely love and goodness follow you all the days of your life. And his name is Jesus. So statement number one. I am lovingly pursued by God. Statement number two, I am becoming who or what I pursue the most. I am becoming who or what I pursue the most. Here's what I believe. I believe that who or what I pursue the most in the present will determine the future or the kind of person I am. So what I am pursuing right now, presently in this moment the most, will determine the future person that I become. 
one of the most amazing things about living life in Christ is that we are all being shaped and formed by something or someone. And the question always remains, will we be shaped or formed by Jesus or will we be shaped and formed by something else in the world? It's so one of the things that we have to know, we have to remember that what we are pursuing in the present is who we will become in the future. Who you are obsessed with now, if it's not Jesus, will make you into the person you become in the future. What you're obsessed with now will make you into the person that you're going to become in the future for better or worse. Uh, there's this moment in Exodus 32, and it's... Uh, Moses, Moses is the people of God have just been rescued out of 400 years of slavery and not knowing who they are and worshiping other gods other than the Lord. So 400 years they were made to live among people who they did not know and worship gods who they did not know and as a result lose sight of who they were. And so they have no idea who they are, and more importantly, they have no idea who God is. And so God is spending these moments. He's like, hey, I want to tell you who I am. Even more than I want to tell you who I am, I want to prove to you who I am. So you see that water, it's going to look like you're not going to be able to walk around it or over it or anything, but I'm going to part the seas and you're going to walk through it. You see those people that are chasing you, you think that they're going to be chasing you and the demons that are going to be chasing you all the rest of your life, but here's the deal, I'm going to make those things stop. You see that you are going to think that you're misplaced and homeless and not loved, but here's the deal. I'm going to remind you who you are, how loved you are, and where I'm taking you. And so he's reminding them in this moment. He's like, hey, I need to reframe who you are, but even more than that, I need to reframe who I am. And so he has this moment where Moses goes up on the mountain, and he's going to get the, what God says, and he's going to bring it down to the people. But what happens is the people become impatient. And they're like, hey, I'm tired of waiting, therefore we're going to pursue something else. So here's the power of pursuit, is they decide to take matters into their own hand and pursue something that is outside the will of God. And so there's this weird moment in the scriptures where they build this weird golden calf. I have no idea. I'm sure I have very weird idols in my life, but building a golden cow is just one of those weird things that I'm like, is that, did that translate right? Did that, was it calf or maybe it just some golden corral or I don't, did that come through right? And so Moses is coming down and it says, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them in pieces at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire and then he grounded it into powder and scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. So if you're following along, this is the world's first protein shake right here is what I think is happening. And so all of a sudden in this weird moment, he takes what they've made of gold, he turns it into powder, he mixes it with water, and he makes him drink it. God, what on earth are you doing and why is this part of the word so weird? Let me explain. Here's what I think God is doing, is I think God wants to show the people that they are becoming who or whatever they worship. And even more than that, who or whatever we worship becomes a part of who we are. And so this is one of those things that we, we were talking about. It, we talked about purity last week, but as I think about this, is it's just it, this is how powerful the things of this world can become because it's not just a one-night stand. 
it has the potential apart from Jesus to stay with us. Like when we start joining ourselves to these things, it's not just a hobby that takes all of our money. It forms us to who or who we are not becoming. It's not just a job where we pour all of our time and energy in and we don't see our family. It is forming us either to be like Jesus or unlike Jesus. And so there's all these things in our lives. It's not just an image on a screen. It is coming into, as the gospels say, the lamp of our life, and it gets into our heart and in our soul. And so there are things in our lives, these things that we see, who or whatever it is, they are shaping us into the person that we're going to be. And so the hardest part about this is we have to check our pursuits and we have to say, God, you have pursued me. And so am I pursuing you? Because what I presently pursue in this moment determines who I become in the future. And God, you have made me to be like Jesus. When you hung Jesus on the cross and when you sent Jesus back to, to talk to the disciples and when you sent your spirit and put it on your believers, God, you are in me. And not only are you in me, you are making me, me to be to be more like you. And so what's happening is he is forming a people like him so the world can see the light of Jesus in each one of us. And the light is distorted when we become like the things that we worship. And so Moses is just reminding us like, hey, I I need you to know this is not just something stupid that has no consequence. This becomes a part of you if it's not rooted in Christ Jesus. This becomes a part of you if this is a pursuit outside of who God's made you to be and what he's asked you to pursue. But the most beautiful thing about that is we can hold that and we can say, man, God, that's hard truth. God, I've had a lot of things that I've joined myself to. But then you remember back to the Gospels and you remember back to that Luke 15 where the kid comes running home and the father's eyes is on the kid. And then he's like, hey, that's okay. I got a brand new shirt. I got Beyonce on. If you like it, put a ring on it. Like we are doing this now. I've got some sandals for you. We are going to have a glorious festival. We're going to have a glorious dinner because my daughter and my son, they're home and let's celebrate. So if you're just sitting there right now and you're like, man, I have joined myself to a lot of things in my life, in this world, that are not of him. The most beautiful thing about it is we just get to go back to number one. I am lovingly pursued by God. And he gives us new pursuits. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us grace. And he knows that, yes, the things that we pursue, who or what we pursue in the present, determine our future, but God. And so he can take those things. He says, hey, that might be your present, but that's not your future. Here's who I've made you to be. This is who I've called you to be. These are the desires that I've put in your heart. This is the plan that I have for your life. And so it might be that who or what we pursue presently determines who we become in the future. But at any moment and any time, we get to say, you know what? I've got off course. Where's Jesus? Oh, he's right here because he never left me. Surely love and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. You're trying to get rid of Jesus and you look back and he's still there. He's like the younger brother or the younger sister that you never had that or did have that wouldn't leave you alone. You're like, dang, you're always following me. That's Canon Murray Connolly in our house. You're like doing something and all of a sudden you like receive a tap on your shoulder and you look back and he's got 500 questions. And then you realize he's been standing there the whole time. And then you realize you didn't notice that he was there. That is Jesus. Whether you realize it or not, he is there. Whether you acknowledge it or not, he is there. Whether you believe it or not, he 
is all up in you if you are all up in Christ. The last statement. I am made to pursue others in loving leadership. I am made to pursue others in loving leadership. So there is a beautiful joy and a beautiful freedom that comes when we operate in who we are and how he's gifted us. Has anybody ever experienced that? You're like doing something one day and you're like, man, I'm made to do this. I don't know what it is. Sometimes for me, this is just being honest, is, is what I feel God's pleasure when I cook chili. And anybody else? Thank you. There, my wife feels God's pleasure when I cook chili as well. There are those moments where you are doing what you're doing. It might be scavenging and doing all the like digging in the anthropology 40% off sales section. Like that might be your gift to this, this world. Like you're like, I can find a deal. Like whatever it is, however it looks, there's these moments that we have where we're like, this is why God created me. This is why I'm here. Thank you everyone and good night. I will see you later. And what I've found is that rather than walking in the humble confidence that God wants to give us and he's created us to be, lovingly pursuing others, and this is what we were kind of talking about in prayer this morning, we were reminding ourselves like, hey, what you're doing in the church in America is not true for the church in the world. Like there are some things happening in the church in the world that I'm like, God, would you just do one ounce of that in America? But I find that sometimes as a church in America, we're standing here and we're like, man, just look at me. Does anybody see me? Does anyone like me? Hey, why, why didn't you follow me? Or like the like famous like follow then unfollow. Does anybody else get that? It's the weirdest thing ever. I had somebody do that this week. I'm like, and you put a lot of intention behind that or either you did it by accident but I don't know which one it is. See me, love me, look at me. But the gospel's like, hey, look at them. Hey, love them. Hey, see them. Hey, go after them. Hey, do you know that they are having a hard time in life? It is God's mandate to you. It is him putting his power and his presence in you to pursue them. I think too often we are in the American church and we're kind of hunkered down and we're trying to do our thing. And we're like, man, I just wish somebody would lead me. I wish someone would love me. I wish someone would take me out to coffee. I wish somebody would do this. I wish somebody would do that. And the God of the universe is like, you have been created to do that. The most beautiful thing about the church is everything that we long for are usually the things that are leading us to do those very things. We say it at Bright City all the time, let your longing be your leading. And so if you are sitting here saying, God, love, would somebody love me? Would someone pursue me? Would someone take me out to coffee? Would someone take me out to lunch? That is God's reminder that you have the power and the potential to do that for someone else. How amazing is that? How amazing is it? Again, going back to the narrative, like what are we telling ourselves? Are we telling ourselves it's about me or are we telling ourselves the gospel which says that it's about them? Because that's what the gospel says. 
I did this in the uh, first service, so I'll do it now. This is a virtual mental hand raise. Does everybody understand that? I said that and everybody was like, oh, me. I was like, no, no, see, this is supposed to be a mental thing. Mentally raise your hand, just, just mentally. So I'm gonna say something and then you're gonna go, oh, yeah, okay. You don't have to, no, no, no. It's a mental hand raise. Mentally raise your hand if you've been in the church for more than three years. If you lived in another country, they would have expected you to pastor like five churches by now. Like three years in the church, like you're leading a movement in China. And you're like, I've never even joined a group. I know, I know. Because they realize that they have nothing else to offer the world other than Jesus. And they realize that they have been lovingly pursued by Jesus. They realize that the only thing they want to pursue is Jesus. And therefore, therefore, they want to lovingly pursue other people with the love of Jesus. Like they just get it. They're like, man, I know why God's put me here. I know why God has placed me in this situation. Man, the government's doing this. They're trying to quiet down the church. They're trying to squelch the fire of the church. But you know what? They can't squelch the fire in my heart. God has called me. He has loved me. He has put a spirit in me. He has put his power in me. I have the authority of heaven. I can bring heaven to earth through me. I have his word. I have the power of the word. I don't even have to have it memorized because I've got 15 copies of it. And then I have 15 copies on my phone. And then I have the whole Bible in here because wow, technology, like how amazing is that? And then if I don't really know where to start in the Bible, then I have 15,000 million hundred plans that is just in this one phone. And that's only on one app. You guys know that there's more than one app with more plans on it. America Church, we have everything that we need and we choose to do nothing with it. We are underperforming and God has given us the overperforming power of his Holy Spirit. It's just true. But the most beautiful thing about that is we don't need to walk in shame. You know why? Because today is a new day. He has pursued us we have been pursuing maybe the wrong things, but that's okay because he has lovingly unleashed me to love the people around me. So when, when we go to work tomorrow, like he is unleashing you into a job, not just to barely be able to pay your bills. Like how horrible is that? So what do you do? I don't know. I just barely pay my bills. That's what I do. Like that is the most underwhelming life ever. You have been ransomed and redeemed by the Son of God to carry this good news into the world. How amazing is that? Your underwhelming job is just your day job, but that's not what you were created to do. You weren't created just not to barely be able to pay rent. You were created to love the people around you. He has unleashed leadership in your life. He is giving you the power and the presence of God. We're going back to Psalm 23. Surely goodness and love will follow me in all the days of my life, especially when I lead. You have been created to lead. You have been created to pursue. So my question is, who is God asking you to pursue? Who's he asking you to pursue? Who has he put on your heart? Who is he leading you to reach out? We all have that person. 
now we're thinking about somebody annoying at work and we're like, no, 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 that person. And you like shake your head and you think like, hey, if I shake my head, God gets out of my head. But no, that's not how it works. Trust me. I try that all the time. The person he puts on your heart is the person he wants to give his heart to them. As we get to carry, carry his heart, be like, hey, I noticed you're stressed. Can I, can, I just, can I just pray for you? You don't have to do anything. You just close your eyes. I know it's weird. It's all right. Like, Christians can be weird sometimes, but that's okay because you're going to feel God's presence in this moment, and then that's going to be weird, and we can talk about that another time. But can I, can I just pray for you? Man, I'm just stressed. I don't know how I'm going to make ends meet and just this whole thing and hours cut and working less or hey can I can I take you to Matthew 6 can I tell you about the time where Jesus told the people not to worry about anything because even the birds who fly around in the sky have everything that they need man I'm just I'm worried about my relative they're they're just not doing well they're probably going to die Man, can, can I tell you about what Jesus says about the afterlife? Can, maybe this would encourage you. Maybe this would change your heart to believe something different. Can I, just, can I just share with you? He has made you a leader because you have the leading power of the Holy Spirit in you. Gone are the days of church where we say, look at me, love me, serve me, do this, do that. And here are the days of let me love, let me lead, let me serve. If you are feeling off in life, chances are it is not off because of the COVID funk. Chances are because you are off and not doing the very things that God's created you to do. Like too often I'm hearing, like people just turn down one thing after the other. Like, ah, I just, man, I know God says that, but I can't do that right now. And then six months later, they're, they're depressed they don't have any purpose in life and they don't know what they're doing. And it all started from one no rather than a yes that could have changed the course of their life. God does not rescue and redeem anything that he doesn't plan on using, especially you and I. He has put his power in you to be a leading force in his church. How amazing is that? Do y'all believe that? Can I get an amen? Maybe like a maybe, I'll amen later. Like if you're a maybe, amen later, that's okay. All right, there, we got one there. Three statements that will change the story of your life. I am lovingly pursued by God. I am becoming who or what I pursue the most. And I am made, pursue, made to pursue others in the loving leadership of Jesus. So I just want to ask, actually, I want to propose three prayers to close the time out. I did this earlier. I was going to say questions. No, these are prayers. Number one, is there, do you, is it phone, writing, everybody's got a pen? Does anybody else send themselves text messages? Okay. Yeah. All right. So I do that and I don't read them. That's just what happens. And then I have a whole bunch of extra unread text messages and it's, it's a whole situation. Pray for me. All right, so text this to yourself. God, change this view about myself. So what's the one lie or the multiple lies that you are buying into and you just, you just don't like about yourself? 
If we're, if we're lovingly pursued by him, then he's going to change it. So change this view about myself. Question number two or prayer number two. Change this pursuit in my life. And if you're brave enough to, to pray this, God, kill this idol, whatever it is. Like it'll become who you are if you continue to walk it out away from God. Change this pursuit in my life and kill this idol. All right, and this is the bigger, this is the brave one. I am going to pursue this person or this group this week. God's given me a spirit. He's given me his word. He's given me his leadership. He's pursuing me so I can pursue others. And so God, because you pursue me, I am going to pursue this person. That's a very, very scary thing to pray. Church and water bottles. <laughs> Do you know who you are? You are lovingly pursued by God. You don't need to pursue the things of this world because he has given you and I a job to pursue other people. Amen. Thanks for listening to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.